something happened where there's a medical injury. I have an account that's for medical expenses, mm -hmm. and if it goes beyond that, well, then we go to the emergency fund. Right. But the co-pays, the dentist, the basic stuff, that's already in the basic medical savings account. And so this is what allows you to not have the emotional reaction when a really difficult financial situation pops up. Welcome to another episode of Getting Money Right with Leo Sabo and David Thompson. In the last episode, we discussed the psychology of credit card use and how credit card companies use studies that have been done over the years to understand our spending habits and really to create products or rewards and systems that will allow them to lure us to spend more money. Now, that doesn't mean that credit card companies are evil. They're just doing their best to figure out how they can get us to use their services, which means paying them for using the credit cards, both from the transactions, but also from the interest that we pay when we carry a balance month to month. In this part two, we're going to pick up the conversation where we left off, discussing the importance of having a plan for your finances, a budget that will allow you to manage all the expenses that you have to make sure that credit card use is not a necessity. We'll also discuss medical debt and why it's important to never pay medical debt with a credit card or with a secured type of loan. And now, without further ado, here's part two of the psychology of credit card use. You know, what's interesting to me is as I've managed my, my finances, our finances over the last, you know, 30 some years of marriage, um, what I've noticed is that because I have so broken my expenses into categories and have managed it to that degree for so long that I don't even Honestly, I can't, I don't, if you were asked me, Leo, how much money do you have in your checking account? I couldn't tell you. Uh, I could look it up, but I don't know exactly what it is. I, I couldn't even tell you if it's a thousand, two thousand or three thousand. I, I don't, right. I don't right. know. What, what I do know is if you ask me, how much money do you have in eating out? How much money do you have in clothing? How much money right. do you have in miscellaneous? I know that not only can I find that, it's yeah. right there on my phone. I can, I have to click one button to get right. to it. And that helps me because now I'm not, I'm not thinking about all. In fact, I'm not allowing those influences, yeah. right, to to negatively impact me because I have, I have narrowed my spending down to one category at a time, yep. and one, and then put fences around it, right? Because every month I'm giving myself a certain amount for each category, so that that does so many different things. But two main important things: one, it keeps me in check. Right with what I've agreed to spend in every area, but also it makes sure that every area is covered. Because if something's not covered, all of a sudden it's like, hey, I don't have money for this. What happened? Now right. I have to readjust so that I can make it fit. Yeah. Right. Because otherwise, it's it's going to come from somewhere. Now if right. I can't, if I don't have a category for it, or if it's outside of the parameter, now it it draws my attention. Says Leo, something's wrong. You either went over in that category, you weren't disciplined enough this month, or you either never experienced this before or it's outside of the envelope. Right. So what right. are you going to do? Right. right. Now I have to tackle that problem. I either have to move money from another category. I have to move money from the emergency fund if it's an emergency. So it's created this cushion, if I can use that as a, as a term, for us so that we're not banging our heads against the financial right. wall and causing all kinds of damage. And in, in reality, what it's done is it's overcome this... Um, force that's against us to yeah. spend, spend, spend in all these different areas that we, we're tempted, everybody's tempted to spend. But I'm only tempted to the degree that I know I can do it. Meaning that if I think, oh, I'd like to buy 
let's say, another tool for the garage, well, all I have to do is see how much money do I have in that category yeah. for maintenance and, and repair. Yep. And if I don't have it, I can't buy it. Right. And that's that's the end of it. Right. And it's you're not, not stealing of, from clothing. No. You're not stealing from haircuts. You're not stealing from somebody's birthday gift. No. And if yeah. I, if I really you, think right. it's something I need, then I can say, hey, I'm setting aside $150 for maintenance every month. There's no major maintenance that's going to that either one of, the, of our cars needs. So in three four months, I can buy this particular tool. Yeah. Or whatever it is, you know what I'm saying. So yep. now I have a different way that I'm approaching this than just I have an impulse, I want it, and I think I have the money. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what I have. I know if I, what I can do, and I do it when it's time and when I know I can. Yep. It becomes the shock absorber in your life. Uh, it, it, Leo has explained it to me in the past as the the shocks on your car, mm-hmm. where you're driving down the road and you hit a bump. And, and it's absorbed by those shocks. You don't even feel it. That's right. Well, you know, when a $400 car repair comes along, I don't even feel it because I've already got cash in an envelope for that car repair set aside. Right. I'm like, oh, I didn't even notice it. Well, did you have to you know, go to your emergency fund? No, I had an envelope or an account right. where every month I was setting aside money for that. Uh, okay, well, you know, what if it's a large expense? Well... I have the emergency fund and it's the shock absorber for those crazy, really unexpected things. The real emergencies. Yeah, the real emergencies, the stuff that you don't expect. But even those, you know, the medical, I haven't, thank the Lord, I haven't broken a bone or anything in a long time. Uh, But, you know, if I did, if something happened where there's a medical injury, I have an account that's for medical expenses. Mm -hmm. And if it goes beyond that, well, then we go to the emergency fund. But the co-pays, the dentist, the basic stuff, that's already in the basic medical savings account. And so this is what allows you to not have the emotional reaction when a really difficult financial situation pops up. All of a sudden, it's not difficult because you already have that in place. Now, you know, now let's say you do get injured. Well, now you deal with the emotions of being injured. Or let's say that your car does break down. Well, now you deal with the difficulty of just, you know, finding a loaner per day, right? right? You're inconvenienced, but emotionally you're not wrecked. And so you're able to go into work and have a good day at work. You're able to uh, be loving to your spouse instead Mm -hmm. of taking out the frustration out on them because you've got this plan in place. And that really matters. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that I love the most when I hear somebody that that I've either coached or somebody that's been through one of our classes, David, where they'll come to us and say, hey, guess what? I had a $1,000 repair on my car. And my first reaction is like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, but guess what? I had the money set aside. Yeah. And I just paid it. For the first time. Yeah. And and, and they're actually relieved and happy even though they had to spend $1,000. Now, most people would not be happy in a situation like that. And I'm not saying that having a $1,000 repair is should be a happy occasion. But here's the thing. What if you still had to do that? Because here's a car that you need, right? You need it. It's a basic need around where we live. And now you don't have the money to pay it. And if you don't have the money to pay it, how is that going to impact your life? Yeah. You know, now you have to bum rights from friends and family. You have to potentially maybe get into a loan that you can't afford. Right. Because you need to buy something today or this week. And why go through all of that? Why allow all of that to be part of your everyday, every year situation? Why not get on a plan? Why not get your finances right? Yeah. right? Get your money right so that you can be in control. Mm-hmm. And then you could use, if you decide to use credit cards, to use uh, loans, you could use them wisely, knowing right. exactly how they're going to impact you. Because we're not talking about any of these as being evil. Now, the payday loans and title loans are Mm. We're telling you stay away from those. Yeah. But but the other stuff, if you have wisdom, if you have a plan, you can use them wisely. 
still take you know take into account what we said. It will affect you emotionally yep. when you spend. You will spend more, but at least if you are in control, you know exactly what's going to cost you. You know what you can do, and it won't put you in a situation where you're upside down or you're or you're just making your situation worse. Right. So we just encourage you. Again, we're going to continue to say this. You need to have a plan for your money and how you spend your money. And that includes a budget that has specific accounts, specific categories that you're setting money aside every single month and you're spending that money on purpose. And what's not spent rolls over to the next month, the next month, the next month. And then in the future, when that money's going to be needed, it will be there for you and it'll keep you out of trouble. Yep. We've been doing a few episodes on debt and I want to kind of just finish up that uh, that kind of overall arching theme of the show with a little bit on medical debt mm-hmm. and the importance of not using your credit cards to pay medical debt or taking out a loan on a secure item to pay off an unsecured debt like medical debt. And so, uh, you know, first and foremost, never, never go and put your medical debt onto a credit card. Never use a 401k loan to pay off medical debt. Never use uh, a a HELOC or a home equity line of credit. Uh, You know, don't, don't ever use something that's secured by another object Mm -hmm. or that's easy for them to collect when you can just allow the medical loan from the hospital. And usually as you go through that process, they are the friendliest when it comes to negotiating. This is true. They are the easiest to set up a long-term payment plan. Now, the hospitals don't have a lot of leverage. No. They are in the business of taking care of people uh, and their health. And we are so grateful for that. These yeah. people potentially saved your life. They brought you comfort in a time of extreme pain. They fixed a part of your body. We love these companies. We love these hospitals. Yeah. Uh, but their hospitals, they are not bill collectors. You know, that's not their main job. Now they do hire bill sure, collectors and sure. they do have people Sometimes in the company to do to. that, but they don't have a lot of leverage on you. And so they are going to be the most friendly in negotiating over time. They're going to give you the, the easiest 0% loans. They'll give you the opportunity to pay $25 a month or, you know, $10 a month, whatever you can afford Versus going to a credit card who is immediately, if you can't pay, going to begin wrecking your credit, going to begin thinking about taking you to court so they can draw on your paycheck. The credit card companies are going to get more aggressive more quickly. Mm -hmm. The medical people will usually negotiate with you over a long period of time to help it be something that you can afford. Um, Your mortgage company has big leverage against you. If you were to take out a home equity line of credit or if you were to take out a loan on your home, well, now... You know, they can go and they can put a lien on your house and could potentially take your house away. So you don't want to take something that's unsecured, something that the only thing you did was sign your name to that debt versus something that's got an object tied to it. So we just want to encourage you as you deal with medical debt, it's almost always negotiable. And, and the cost of medical care is actually inflated to take care of some of these people that are not going to be able to pay. And so built into the cost, they have overcharged mm-hmm. most people because they know that some people are not going to pay. Right. That's just incredible to me. Yeah. It's it's unfortunate, but it's just the, the reality. And, you know, when somebody comes into an emergency room and they're bleeding and it's a life-threatening injury, they can't turn the person away. By law, they could not turn that person away. So they have to treat them. Well, if the person is not insured, they're still going to treat them. And that's going to cost money. And hospitals will, in fact, all medical facilities set their rate based on this understanding that some people are insured and can pay 
and some people are not not insured that will come and they'll have to treat. And because of that, and some collect and some they'll be able to collect from and some they're not be able to collect from. So the price is inflated because it's trying to find these these organizations don't have a hard margin. Right. These hospitals are not huge profit centers. I mean, sometimes they barely break even. Right. It depends, obviously, what part of the country and the kind of practice they have. But ultimately, it's not a high profitable organization. It's basically in existence to take care of needs. It's almost like a almost operates like a nonprofit. Yeah. You know? Well, and some do. Some and are some created are. by exactly. churches and denominations, exactly. and I mean, so so the heart behind it is to heal people. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes. And and so I think sometimes for us as patients, we think, how can they charge so much for a surgery? But realize what's going into it, right? And I always find it funny, but I don't know if it's funny, but it's interesting <laughs> to me because I I do break down some of these costs, and when I look at these costs, I can see that the doctor actually makes like usually they get the smallest fee. Yeah, like some yeah. of the like some of the equipment, the anesthesia is sometimes more than what the doctor pays. The actual surgeon that's doing the surgery is getting paid the least sometimes, which is right. crazy. Right. But it just tells you the cost that's built into running a hospital. So uh, that's why a Tylenol cost you eight dollars. You know, it's yes, one pill, eight dollars. Why? Because they've done the na- the math and they know what they need to charge in order to break even or make a slight profit. Right. And. So when you're going in for a surgery and you have insurance, well, your insurance company is going to get charged and they have set agreed rates that they're going to pay and there's certain things they're going to eliminate altogether. And the hospital knows that. They know that a $40,000 surgery, they're going to get $4,000 or $5,000 or $8,000, not $40,000. They're going to get a right. fraction of that. So they're going, to, they're going to do their best to try to get as much as they can from every party included, including you. And knowing that I think is important because – it's not about them being evil. It's about them trying to do, give you the best medical, and I want the best medical care that I can afford. But at the same time, if I do get charged and I can't pay that amount, I understand that I can go back to them and say, hey, is there something we can do? You know, Can we negotiate this down? And, and I have coached people over the years to do that. And many people have had success with this. In fact, I've got a, a brief example. When uh, my, my daughter went to the doctor, she was just going to have a regular uh, appointment. I don't remember what it was for, but just a basic, you know, there was any, nothing wrong with her. She just went into the doctor for something. And uh, I get a call for, at work saying from my wife who was with her and said, hey, the doctor did an EKG and they want to take it to the emergency room because the EKG came back in, you know, inconclusive or something was wrong. And I said, well, wait a minute. I said, you know, and so she's like, what do I do? I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be the guy who's going to make a decision not to take my daughter to the emergency room and have her die of a heart attack. That's just kind of crazy. But I'm also, as a parent, thinking, wait a minute, she went in and everything was fine. All of a sudden, everything's not fine. Well, maybe, right? So I'm not going to take a chance. I'm like, well, if you have to take her to the hospital, take her to the hospital. Well, they couldn't just, my wife couldn't just get her in the car because now the doctor's office is liable if something happens to her. So what do they do? They call an ambulance. Ambulance come, picks her up, less than a two-mile ride. In fact, I left work, right, and drove about 20 miles to get to the hospital. They were two miles from the hospital. I'm sorry, I was about 10 miles away. I got there about 15 minutes before the ambulance got there because by the time they called and they got her all situated right. and all of that. Okay, so they get there. I, you know, I get the bill like a month later from from the well company that represents the ambulance, and it's $575. This is my portion after the ambu- after the insurance paid, I think somewhere on seven hundred and fifty dollars, and I thought this is insane. <laughs> like two mile trip, twelve hundred and some dollars. That's crazy. 
So I call. I'm like, this is frustrating to me. How, how can I get charged 575 when the insurance pays so much already, which I thought it was absor- an absorbent amount anyway. And so I talked to him. You know, she asked me some questions. Well, the next thing I know, she says, oh, wait a minute. You're in a city, you know, Keller City uh, limits. I said, yes, I live in Keller. Oh, okay. So if she was taken from Keller to, oh, she said, you actually don't owe anything. I said, how's that? She says, well, for Keller citizens, if they have a trip, and this is the best I can understand it, if they take an ambulance ride and it's within a two-mile radius <laughs> of the location where they're leaving from, right. then somehow the city picks up the cost or whatever the discount is, you don't pay. Wow. It was one phone call. It saved me $575. I would have never known had I not been upset enough to call. And if I would have just right. accepted it, well, right. I guess that's what I got to pay. Right. Then I would have just paid. And what I'm trying to say here is this. This was a unique situation, but sometimes just by calling and, and just having a conversation with somebody and saying, this is a crazy amount of money for me. Is there anything we can do? Yeah. And don't stop with the first person. Keep asking. Right. Keep asking. Call again. Until, Call until, again. You, until you feel bad asking, you haven't asked enough. Yeah. Because you need to understand that the cost that you're being charged is not really your fair price for you. It's fair for everybody if they're average, but it's not fair for you. And it's, you have some leverage. And so don't put it on your credit card. Yes. Try to negotiate it. Try to do everything you can to bring it down. And if worse comes to worse, then just agree to say, I can only pay you 20 a month, 10 a month, right. five a month, whatever you can. And they're going to agree to that because to them, you not paying means they're not going to get paid. Right. Nine times out of 10, that's going to be the case. And they don't want that. They'd rather you pay them 20, 40, 50 bucks for the next 10 years right. uh, for them to get that money back than to not get anything. So yeah. Negotiate first or set up a, some kind of a payment that you can afford before you put it on a secured uh, credit card or something like that. That's right. And realize that you can negotiate in advance. Not all the time. Sometimes things are absolute emergencies and you're incapacitated and you can't tell them that you want to negotiate. But when the doctor says, hey, I, I'm going to prescribe this. And you say, okay, well, how much is that? You know, what is that advanced surgery treatment option? What is that new machine that you're going to utilize to take pictures of inside of me? Like, what, what is it? You know, oh, well, this is an EKG. Well, this is an MRI. Well, this is a CAT scan. Okay, well, my insurance doesn't cover all of that. Is there a cheaper option? Is there another way to do it? That maybe it takes 24 hours instead of one hour, but maybe we can find something that'll save me 10 grand. And you can ask the doctor about pricing in advance. You can ask the medical staff in advance. Okay, I'm trying to find out the least expensive way to do this with my insurance company and with your hospital office. Let's do this together. Some things are emergencies. Sometimes you have no time. But then on the back end, Say, hey, I saw I got a $10,000 bill uh, where my insurance company already paid out six grand and you're asking me for 4000 Oh, your insurance already paid six grand? Well, your, your portion is only 2000 now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's only two thousand. Could I really pay five hundred? Yeah. I mean, like, like let's be honest. If you cut two grand over yeah. one phone call, what else can you cut? And so, so just don't hesitate to reach back out. The heart is not to to rip these people off. No. They're there saving your life and saving people's lives every day. The goal is not to be dishonest or to be, be manipulative. But you know, don't allow yourself to get ripped off either. Mm-hmm. Know that they intentionally overcharge on purpose for the people that have no insurance at all and that allows them to recuperate some cost on the people that can't pay anything yeah and the way we started this is to really talk about not allowing this medical debt to become a secure debt right somehow somehow that now being becomes something that you can't walk away from or or even ever dismiss because now it's part of your 
401k loan, which you have to pay back or, or a credit card or something like that. So don't make one debt that's already bad enough that you owe somebody. Don't take that, put it on something else thinking, well, it'll give me more time. Right. No, more than likely, it will just make the situation worse. Yep. And I always say that. It's it's best to not try to take your debt and try to re-strategize somehow, consolidate, do this and that, try to make it better for you. No, just tackle it the way best you can. Don't go deeper in the hole. Dig yourself out of it, not into it. Yeah. So I think it's the main point that we want to make is don't allow a medical debt to become something that's now um, part of a secured loan, something mm-hmm. that you you're going to be in trouble if you don't pay it. Well, thank you for joining us for this episode. If you enjoyed it, if you enjoyed going through this whole session of episodes on debt, uh, please go rate and review, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Android. Please share it on your favorite social media platform. That'd be a huge, huge uh, blessing to us. If you would just take a moment and share one episode, share two episodes, maybe just tell a friend personally something that you enjoyed. Uh, We'd love to have you be a part of the conversation. If you email us or you want to drop us a line on social media, and you can find the show notes to this episode at leosabo.com, along with the other resources that we mentioned. And we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we We can keep keep getting getting money right. right. through all of that why allow all of that to be part of your everyday every year situation why not get on a plan why not get your finances right yeah right get your money right so that you can be in control 